0: Welcome back to the Church's Messy Podcast. I'm Svea Mary and glad to be joined as always by Rick Henderson. Hello, Rick.
1: Hey Svea, how you doing today?
0: I'm doing great.
1: Can I admit that uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling my age today or Uh-oh. maybe older. I was playing a lot of kickball with kids last night. And uh, I'm feeling a little <laughs> at bit at like an old man
0: A-R-C-1-H. at the
1: ARC one eight event. But man, it was awesome. I can't wait to go back. Uh, tonight. I have no idea when people are going to listen to this. If they're listening to this, it's probably too late to show up. But uh, man, it was awesome to be out there and just meeting kids and and playing games and uh, having a lot of fun with people in our church, having a lot of fun with people um, who haven't yet attended Autumn Ridge, but uh, live in that part of our community. It was just awesome. Loved it.
0: Were you were you your neighborhood kickball champion growing up and you were able to kind of bring back some glory days?
1: I was trying to bring back the glory days yeah. last night. And uh, there, were, there were highs and there were some lows. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that.
0: Well, at least now this morning, you can just settle back yeah. into this nice, yeah. comfortable chair and let's have a good discussion.
1: Okay, let's dive in.
0: So we're going to recap some of our Father's Day message mm. from when we're recording this now. This is about a week and a half ago.
1: Man, it feels like forever ago.
0: Forever, well, forever That's or ago. That's another old man
1: statement. Time, you know, you know, <laughs>
0: <It's>, <laughs> time is flying. It's okay to age. It beats yeah. the alternative.
1: Yeah, you know, <laughs> this is interesting. Um, I was listening to Tim Keller yesterday talk about his pancreatic cancer, mm. and uh, as he uh, as he was going going through all of this, he talked about how his... There there are just a number of sins that he would just regularly kind of wrestle with and pray about. And his wife, Kathy Keller, told him basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, I think you got another sin you need to add to the list that <laughs> you're dealing with. And it is um it's your attitude towards aging. Uh, and I just thought, man, I appreciate his vulnerability just yeah. to like throw it out there for all the people who are listening to the same podcast I was listening to, to just to be uh, open and honest about that. Yeah, there's a and I, you know, um, I got gray on my beard now and I don't think I'm an old guy, but I'm not a young guy. And it's like no midlife crisis. I call it midlife aware I'm just like aware I'm not, I'm not young. I really love my stage of life, but there's this thing where I'm like, no, how our culture idolizes youth. I got that idol in me Mm. and I'm trying to break up with that idol and it's hard.
0: Well, it can be a little bit tricky, but uh, Mm -hmm. I have an advantage of being married to someone older and it's allowed me to feel very comfortable in my age.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) hope he's listening to this.
0: (laughs) Oh, he listens well, but he's, he's been very gracious in my own aging process. Okay, good. Has given me a little bit of sneak peek of what to look forward to as as we go forward. Okay. But, but with, with aging, I mean, yeah, we kind of laugh at some of the, uh, the feeling sore the morning after kickball kind of things, but there's also a glory to it too. Mm. And there's wisdom attained over... Over the years, if, mm-hmm. if you let your life be able to, to be something you reflect upon and grow from and learn from. Sure. And and I bet uh you even in in something like fatherhood have mm-hmm. probably grown quite a bit over the years.
1: I think so. I certainly hope so. Um but yeah. Yeah. I think about um I've I one of the things we talked about in the in the fatherhood message and this applies to everybody but we we really wanted to have a laser beam kind of focus on dads mm-hmm. is i think that i've grown and my ability to let go of control or mm. to not grasp at control so wildly mm-hmm. um i haven't totally broken up with my love affair with control <laughs> and it's an illusion uh but man it is uh it is it is it doesn't show up in my life the way that it used to, and I think my kids appreciate that. Were they would you, have to be on here and talk about it. But.
0: Were you more of a controlling parent, and your when when your children were younger? Um, would you have defined yourself as a controlling parent at the time, or is it that, more that you just kind of see things a little bit differently? You know how now? like
1: people have binge addictions. And they they'll go for long periods of time and not engage in that addiction. And then Mm -hmm. they'll just binge on it for a while, Mm -hmm. whether it's drinking or something, some other thing or eating, um, I, that i think that best describes my addiction to control <laughs> i would have binges and they they were often triggered uh by times where i was really feeling out of control and as stupid and as silly as this sounds it would always start with the shoes and the entryway oh <laughs> and i would i would come in the house and i'm feeling out of control but i don't know this because i'm not i, I don't i at this point in my life i hadn't done the work that i've that I've done now to really understand myself and understand some of my besetting sins, understand some of my emotional vulnerabilities and all of those things. And I I didn't really understand what was at work inside of me uh, or what was going on inside of me. And so I'd come in and I would see the shoes were somewhat disheveled and I'm like... (laughs) What? We can't have a shoe straight in the house? And so I'd start, i just straighten everybody's shoes. Mm. And then I'd look around and I'd be like, well, you know, this thing's out of whack. And then before you know it, not not even a few minutes go by, I walk in the house and I'm calling everyone front and center, Uh which is a term my dad used. It's a a military, it's a military term. I thought every kid was told front and center. When I was a kid growing up, we had to stand... (laughs) had attention in front of our beds as her dad inspected our rooms oh wow I think he was probably just having fun you know but was uh, your
0: dad in the military yeah he was in the military
1: before i was born and so anyway i'm like front and center and i just start listing (laughs) off i just start listing off stuff right Uh, you guys need to go do this and like i wouldn't give my wife a job (laughs) i'm smart enough but but and i'm like look at me Look at look at me. What a good dad I am and mm. a good husband I am. I just I'm getting this house in order mm. and what a gift it is to my wife because I'm making sure that these kids are rallied to carry their weight. Uh-huh. <laughs> Never felt like a gift to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> And not figure it out. And she would try to communicate, babe, you like just come in and you're like this tornado of control and you're just like bargain orders. And I'm like, I'm trying to help you out, babe. She's like, it doesn't feel like help. And, you know, and she's like on her journey and I'm on my journey and we're reading things and we're doing soul work and soul care and all this kind of stuff. And eventually we both kind of understood, hey, when I come in and I do that, it's because I feel out of control in my world mm-hmm. and just like it's commonly observed. And people who grew up in abusive homes, and I got a little bit of that in my home, people who grew up in in abusive homes or there was addiction or alcoholism or something like that, they have a tendency to Mm. over-control, especially uh, as a comfort mechanism, as a self-defense mechanism, Mm -hmm. when you feel like there are other things out of of control. And so that's what I was doing. Mm. And my wife and I were able to talk about that. And uh, when I would come in and I would just feel it, right, and I would have to start organizing the organizing the shoes or whatever. My wife would say, what's going on? What feels out of control for you right now? Mm. And then I could pause and I could say, well this happened today. Or this is how I'm feeling right now. Or our savings account was this and now it's this and I'm trying to live in that reality yeah. and not lose my mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so that started a number of years ago. We were able to lay some track on just great conversations and better habits and better responses. And so it's still in me. The monster is still in me Mm. and it won't be gone until I'm face to face with Jesus in heaven. But man, I don't think it is wreaking havoc in the way that it used to. So this is going to sound super silly, but if there's any guy out there my age who's listening to this, you'll remember this. We used to watch G.I. Joe, and at the end of every G.I. Joe episode, they'd say, knowing is half the battle. And I'm like, man, that is the gospel. (laughs) I know what's going on inside of me so I can just say Jesus this is what's going on. I need your spirit to be at work. I can acknowledge it to my wife. I can acknowledge it to my kids. I can let them watch me struggle to follow Jesus and hopefully that inspires them to want to follow Jesus too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when when you do have the uh the the Self awareness to realize when mm-hmm. I'm acting in this way, it's actually pointing to something more that I need to wrestle down in myself. Yeah, That, yeah. that gives you so much more to work with mm-hmm. than when you're just reacting instinctively without uh, without any awareness of why.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is that was maddening. I got to tell you, for again, I don't know how many times I'm going to say it in sermons and conversations or in this podcast. Go buy and read. The Search for Significance Mm -hmm. by Robert S. McGee. You gotta use that book to change my life. And one of the things that I realized is I was doing exactly what you just said. I thought I was being intentional. But I was like a blind man in a maze. And I had no idea why I was responding the way I was to stressors, uh, to difficulties, to highs, to lows in my life. I didn't understand it because I didn't understand what was, I didn't understand myself. Mm. And I needed to understand myself. And if I could, which meant being really honest with myself. And if I'm not on, I can't be more honest with anybody else than I am with myself. Mm -hmm. I can't be more honest with God in prayer Mm -hmm. than I am with myself. And I, Svea, let me just say, I've got this, I I feel this massive burden and sensitivity for people who were raised in churches like me.
0: Hmm. What do you mean?
1: People who were raised in churches like me tend to go in one of two directions. One, they kind of become hard to church, Mm -hmm. or they become hardened in a real rules-oriented, look-like-you-have-it-all-together kind of life. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happened when you become hardened and the rules-oriented approach, which was my life for a while, for quite some time, was that whenever someone says, you kind of have to understand what's going on inside of you, it's you throw up uh, these defenses, and that feels like it's some sort of heresy or some sort of humanism, some sort of godless philosophy and it's human-oriented. No, 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 no. This is godly stuff. Read the Psalms, Mm. right? One of the reasons we love the Psalms is because David and other people who wrote Psalms laid their chest bare. They just filleted their soul out for God to look at, and they were uncomfortably honest um, so that God could heal them. And I want I want to be that kind of follower.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't want to be the kind of follower where I hide and repress and suppress because um, that's what control does. If I'm controlling other people, it's not, I'm not just controlling other people. I'm not engaging in self control. I'm engaging in this kind of, um, I'm imprisoning myself mm. from reality and from the, Gracious intervention of God in my life. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like maybe people think I sound like Dr. Seuss on crack. I don't know. But, (laughs) you know, like I don't want to sound like a bunch of mumbo jumbo, but I just want to say, my goodness, I don't know how we honestly follow Jesus if we're not honest about what's going on in us. It's some of the people who seem to respond to Jesus so beautifully and were able to just grow and run after him quickly were people who were honest. Yeah. They were just honest. And I look at guys like Peter, who struggled to be honest about what was really going on inside of him for the longest time. And Jesus would say, Peter, this was this is what's gonna happen with you. And Peter's like, not me. <laughs> I'm the man. You just, <laughs> Jesus, you know a lot of stuff, but let me tell you something. You don't know how great I am. Oh, dear. <laughs> Poor Peter. <laughs> you know? And you just see that work out in this life. And I'm more like that guy than I am about the other people who mm. just came and, like, Jesus, here I am. I'm mm. a mess. Can you help? <laughs> So you've
0: honed in on one aspect of control and, mm-hmm. and maybe an instinct that a lot of, of dads, but I'd say moms too, might have about wanting to control. But how about the aspect of, of controlling parents where you're looking at the outside world, you see the world as a threatening place, mm-hmm. there's there's dangers that lurk yeah. behind every corner and you want to control your kids' behavior with the intent to protect them sure. from what might cause them harm. Yeah, uh, One of the more provocative statements you made in the Father's Day message uh, suggested that uh, Christian parenting that opts for control is nothing more than atheism in religious packaging. Can, can you unpack that for us a <laughs> well, little bit I more? Well, I say with a smile. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Uh, Matt, you know, one of the things you talked about was trying to control our kids' behavior. I don't try to control my kids' behavior, at least on my best days. I don't try to control their behavior. Um and and listen, there are some super smart, good-hearted uh, moms and dads out there that just may disagree with me on that, and that's fine. You know, I uh, yeah, I don't assume that I'm utterly right on this, but I I really want to know what my kids think mm. and believe, and I want to know how they feel, and their behaviors are typically going to be birthed out of that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I'm not trying to control their behavior, as much as I'm trying to. G- trying to lead them and uh, inspire them to honestly say what you think and believe, honestly talk about what you feel. Let's get honest about that. What kind of person do you want to be? Be a person who lives aligned with truth, love, and wisdom. Sure. Um, and can, so, you, can
0: you flesh out yeah. the connection, though, between what you're making in a... a parent who is maybe trying to control their children a little bit more. Yeah. And the idea of that being <laughs> Yeah.
1: Let me use disguised
0: atheist. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what we mean by atheism is atheism is just quite simply no no God. No belief in God. No trust in God. Um it's so you are trusting in you instead of trusting in God to be a work in your kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like
0: What if a parent pushed back on that and said, well, no, 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 I'm not trusting in me. I'm trusting in what I see as biblical principles, and I'm Mm going to make sure that my kids follow those.
1: What I would say is if you do that, we need to make sure that our kids understand them and not just understand what the principles are but also understand the why and the god and mm-hmm. the love behind those principles i want my i want to lead my kid to trust those and then because my son or my daughter trust in those they align they line their lives with that mm-hmm. um i'm not trying to get my kids to simply live according to biblical principles because they could live according to biblical principles and go to hell.
0: Mm. That's a strong statement.
1: Yeah, they could dress the right way, talk the right way, give the right way, do all the things the right way. They could, they could be um, poster children for the good life and what everybody wants their kids to look like on the, on the outside, and to, but not know Jesus or to not love Jesus. And behavior is not the way uh, to holiness.
0: Mm.
1: Behavior is not the way to righteousness. Behavior is not the way to adoption. It's not the, it's not the way to inclusion in Christ. Behavior is not the way that we become co-heirs with Christ. It's faith. Mm. And it's the work of Jesus that he did on our behalf, we trust in him. Once that is settled and secured, our behavior now comes out of that and should align with that. And over the course of our life, the process of us growing into that is what theologians and pastors have long called sanctification. And what we really just mean is maturing into, growing into likeness and the status that he accomplished for us and handed over to us simply because we trusted in him or gave him our Mm allegiance. So that's what I want for my kids. And so let me give you, let me give you a couple of examples. And one of my pet peeves is, um, don't say bad words personally with maybe one exception, (laughs) especially, um, because of history of slavery and racism in America. I typically believe this. There's no such thing in a bad word. There's a bad use of words. Mm. Um, there's no such thing as a bad word. There's a bad use of words, and I know a lot of people out there right now. They are just running through the list of all the bad words that they can think of. And I would just say those are sounds. It's it's um, <laughs> those are sounds, and we we could use those exact same sounds and mean something different. And there's a really hilarious and fun example that I want to share, but I don't think that I can share because <laughs> it'll be too provocative. But there is a town with a very peculiar name in Austria. And to teach my kids that there's no such thing in bad words, there's a bad use of words. One time I read the Wikipedia page on this town in Austria, and they died laughing. I thought they were going to wet their pants. (laughs) I mean, they couldn't breathe. They were laughing so hard. And I said, listen, this town, their name sounds like a bad word, but it's not a bad word. It comes from a family name. Mm. What's most important is how we use our words. And so then I'm really doubling down. That's not the first thing that I did. That came years after I had taught my kids this lesson. What's most important is how we use our words. Do we ever use our words to make someone feel uncomfortable, intimidated, or unsafe, or to feel bad about themselves? If ever you use your words like that, that's a bad use of words. Mm -hmm. It's not so much about the word. It's about how you make someone feel. I listen. I think the case is closed. The Apostle Paul used what would be considered profanity when he says, "I count it all dung. I count it all on, You know mm-hmm. his his life before before Christ. Now, so this is how this works out. I've watched this in kids. Kids will shred one another. They will shred the soul and the self worth of another kid, and never say a bad word. Mm-hmm. Are we proud of that? Mm-hmm. I think we've opted. We've opted for the lesser thing. Who cares if it's the right word or the bad word? How did they use the word and what was their intent and what was the impact? Mm-hmm. So I tried to teach my kids the intent and the impact. Was it messy? Yeah, yeah. super messy. <laughs> one time, uh, oh, man, I might get in trouble for, for sharing this story. Let me just say one time my son, when we lived in another state, was running down the hall um, shouting out words that I'm not gonna say right now, Uh-oh. right? <laughs> and my daughter <laughs> was trying to tell him, Jack, you better knock that off. And uh, <laughs> but he wouldn't listen; he was just doing it. And so we're we're driving on the way home, and there was something in me. Even though for years I taught my kids, there's no such thing in bad words. There's a bad use of words. Mm. I wanted to say, Jack, how could you say that word? But I but I didn't. I said, I said, Jack, th- how do you think? How do you think those words made other people feel? What do you think the impact of your words were on other people? And he kind of sheepishly gave me his answer. I said, do you think it was a good use of words or a bad use of words? He said it was a bad use.
0: Mm.
1: And so that's what I want him to take away. But control is, control easily just slips into don't say these words. Mm-hmm. But it does nothing. It does nothing to teach kids why we wouldn't shred another kid's soul. Mm-hmm with good words. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying?
0: Well, control takes away the need for the child to think Yeah, because mom and her dad has already done all the thinking for them. Mm. And what you're talking about is we Mm. want to teach our children how to think. We want to inform why they would make certain decisions so that they're able to make good decisions when they're not under our control or anyone else's control.
1: And absolutely. There are going to be things that we allow and things that we absolutely do not allow in Mm -hmm. our home. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, part of the journey of parenting is our kids are little. We are manufacturing consequences. But the older they get, the less we have to manufacture consequences. And our job is to oversee and manage how they experience the natural consequences of their choices mm-hmm. and use use that to teach them. And when I was a youth pastor, we were, we were going on a trip and there's a mom. She was freaking out because her son was just... He wasn't... She wanted to control how he packed. She wanted to control how he prepared for this message, uh, excuse me, for this trip that we were going on, this mission trip we were going on. And she was super nervous. And I was just like, listen, I just said, I called her by her name and I said, this is a very safe place for him to fail. And failure is a gift because he's going to learn from it. Mm. He's not going to starve. He's not, he's not, his needs are not going to go unmet. We're going to make sure he's taken care of. Let him fail. Mm. It's a gift to him. He's got to grow. You know, I think about the moms and the dads who, um, they, they frantically wake up their kids in the morning and get them, Oh, you overslept. And, and you know, like when they're little, we, we have to be responsible for all those things. But by the time my kids are in middle school, I'm like, if you oversleep, you oversleep, you got to deal with the consequences. And I'm not hounding them about their homework. I'm like, do you know what you you got to get done? Get it done. And if you don't, these are the consequences. And if they don't do their homework, well, then they've got to <laughs> they've got to be confronted by me mm-hmm. on on that. Why are you not doing that? Why are you choosing to be irresponsible? What are we going to do about? I mean, but I'm I'm trying to teach them. I sometimes people say we're raising kids. No, we're not. We're raising adults. Right. <laughs> so. What does it mean to be an adult? So let's cultivate that. And there's not one right way to do it. I'm just talking about this is how I'm engaging with trying to not be controlling.
0: What I hear as you're talking about all of this is overtones of mm-hmm. the way that our heavenly father mm. relates to us, mm. that he didn't put it into practice where he just controlled us to be automatons or what's you, you, yeah. moist robots? Yeah, I, listen, I didn't come over
1: that term. I, <laughs> I heard that from somebody else. Yeah, we're not moist robots, right? We're not puppets on a string. Yeah. He God, in his graciousness, allows us to make real decisions and he doesn't control... All the decisions that we make, but there are real consequences and yeah. there are real benefits and blessings. There are all kinds of things. There's a God has beautifully designed this world and our life with cause and effect relationships. And in his sovereignty and in his wisdom and in his love, he uses that to grow us. And I want to be a picture of what he is like as best I can for my kids. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm the best dad out there but i am trying to do the the best i can with my best understanding and the best that i have does well, that
0: make sense bringing the conversation yeah. full circle early on we were talking about how it's our faith is what it is that mm-hmm. saves us it's not our yeah. behavior it's yeah. not following the letter mm-hmm. of the law perfectly it's not something that we earn by by being a good rule keeper mm-hmm. but it's faith yeah and um and, and the Bible is clear that God wants us to love him mm. and that our behavior follows out of that love okay. rather than the other way around. That oh, yeah. He loves us in return for our behavior. And, uh, and I, what a beautiful thing it is that he designed us that way. And then we have the opportunity to practice that on mm. a human level in yeah. our parenting.
1: My my friend, Tully Antovigian, reminded me of something uh, this morning with a post he made. And he said he couldn't remember who was the first person to say it. I certainly don't remember who the first person is to say it. Uh, but there's a couple of kind of responses uh, when you mess up in life. Oh, I messed up. Uh, my dad's going to kill me. <laughs> or I messed up. I better call my dad. Oh. Right?
0: Wow, how powerful.
1: And... Those of us who know God's Word, those of us who know Him as Heavenly Father, those of us who are included through Jesus Christ, we've trusted in Him, we know the right response is, ah, oh, I've messed up, something's gone wrong. I need to call my dad. Wow. I need to go I need to, go to my father in prayer. I want my kids to be that way with me mm-hmm. because if they can be that way with me, I think I'm at least somewhere on the right trajectory of demonstrating to them why they can trust in their heavenly father. If I'm the dad, when they mess up, uh, that they're like, oh, my dad's going to get me. Maybe I'm not doing as good. Maybe I'm not as, maybe I'm not being as helpful to them as as I want to be. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm okay. I'm okay with tension and I'm okay with messes and messiness. And there's a, there are there's a temperament spectrum that people fall on and there's some people who are just the way that they're wired and the way that god in his wisdom and sovereignty and love and grace just allowed these people to be to be wired some people are less comfortable with that on a temperament spec i peg on the on the on the living intention and things aren't totally totally aren't uh, aren't neat and tidy and things are messy I'm okay I'm super comfortable there and so I parent that way mm. and some people aren't there well, you need to parent how you are mm. but also remember that the way that we parent should be pointing to um, to pointing to the heavenly our heavenly Father but also what he's like mm-hmm. and so we're all trying to do that.
0: Well, obviously I'm not a dad, but sure. I would imagine the way the best way to become that kind of dad is to model for your kids that when you feel like you've messed up, you're going to your heavenly father. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And as they see that mm-hmm. as they see that being your instinct to turn mm-hmm. to Jesus. Yeah. That, uh, that that's very compelling and that, mm-hmm. that, that conveys a, a safety for them to come to you that mm-hmm. conveys that you're going to point them to something yeah. bigger than yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, so every, I would say every dad, but let's say moms too, or anybody who wants to influence someone else, let's make it as broad as we can while also being very specific. Now I want you to think about this. Think about, well, how are you going to get there? Like uh, when I used to, I would ca- I was a college pastor uh, for a number of years, and that was awesome. And I'd have these uh, these college age guys and gals who were dating, and some of them I would get engaged, and I had a privilege to marry a bunch of them. And, and they would say, "Rick, we want to be on the Jesus plan. We want to." <laughs> That's what I call, you know the life of purity, saving sexual marriage. And they're like, this is what we're committed to. I'm like, I really don't care how much you're committed. Uh, what's your strategy? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter your commitment level. I want to know your strategy. What's your plan?
0: Implementation right. always trumps yes, intention. Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so, all right. Moms, dads, people who want to influence others. What is your strategy? How are you going to do that? And I'm not going to tell you what your strategy should be. I don't mind telling you what my strategy looked like at points, here's a couple of ways. One is we talk about messy things and mess ups. And you know, I want my kids to adopt the attitude, things that messed up, I better call my dad because he's going to be the most helpful person to me. Mm -hmm. And I did it kind of in an inverse way. I'm driving down the road, I'm talking to my kids. And I said, guys, let's just imagine that I did something super boneheaded. Like I... I you know what? I I gave into temptation. I, I wasn't being wise. I was totally foolish. And I had too many alcoholic drinks and I put my truck in the ditch on the way home. And I didn't hit anybody. Nobody knows. Um I'm listen, people find out I could maybe I could lose my job. You know, who do I call? Mm. And my daughter's like, You call me. I'll come pick you up. Aww. And I'm like, okay. Great, I love that. <laughs> and uh, Jack's a little bit younger. He's not a dri- he wasn't a driver yet at that at that time. And I just said, "All right, I want you to feel the same way about me." Mm-hmm. And if you were in a spot like that, call me and know I'm there for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had this thing, you know, if ever you're out and you you're in a situation you don't know how to get out of, you you need help, and just text X to me, and I mm-hmm. will be there. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to explain it. And when I pick you up, you don't have to explain anything. I won't even ask questions. I just want to make sure you're okay. Just text X and I'm there. And we do the same kind of thing with Jack. And, and so that's just, hey, all right, trust in me, trust in me. I'm there for you. I got you. But then on the other side, it's 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 not inverse. It's, it's a little bit more direct. It's letting our kids see how we struggle with our faith. And I, when I say struggle with our faith, I don't mean do I believe God exists or not? Or do I believe Jesus rose from the dead or not? Everybody's got to wrestle with that, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, this is what it means to follow Jesus right now, and I don't want to, because I don't want to be forgiving right now. And, and this is what it means to be forgiving. We just we just had this scenario, and and my wife played the starring role because she was just a beautiful example of following Jesus in difficulty, and um, and this is her story, and I'm not gonna tell her story, and um, but, I was I was I was in a spot where I was just like, babe, I'm preaching this series called Look Up and you are living this series mm. and I so admire you. Mm. And I wanted our kids to know about it. So I told our kids about it. And then um, and then Heather sat down with our kids and kind of talked through what this what it meant following Jesus in this area, why why she didn't want to <laughs> and why she's so glad uh, that she did. And it was just it was a beautiful thing mm-hmm. to to watch our kids interact with that. I don't exactly know how God's going to use that. I just trust that He will, and that's that's part of what I want our kids to see. Mm-hmm. I don't want them just to see our highlight reels. I want them to see the the messy the messy stuff too, and how God is faithful and why we would trust Him more than any other thing, especially ourselves.
0: That's wonderful. I I wish that all of us had the kind of dad that you're expressing wanting to be for your kids, that uh, that we could just pick up the phone and when we feel like we're in trouble, that we could call our dad and 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 get that kind of reassurance and help. But how good it is that we have a God who is mm. that dad for us, so that even if we don't have a human yeah. father who yeah. can do that, we do have yeah. God the Father who is always there for us to admit our failures, yeah. to admit our struggles, to to seek wisdom, mm. uh, that he is there for us.
1: I had a friend in college named Justin, and he uh, he grew up without a dad. A lot of dad hurts, a lot of dad regrets, a lot of dad wounds. And we were talking about how we came to faith, and he said, when I heard in a message that he is a father to the fatherless, and he is for me all that i had ever wanted. That's when I gave my life to Christ. Mm. And I thought, man, that's beautiful. We, we, you're right. We all have that in Him. Mm-hmm. And it's good, it's real good.
0: Well, this has been a fun conversation about parenting and fatherhood and control yeah. and yeah. moving away from control. Thank you for sharing your uh, your insights with well, us. Can
1: I just this end with this? Let me just remind the dads out there the same thing uh, that I tried to make clear in the message. And this is really a, a source of hope and encouragement. The point isn't to be a perfect father, but to point to the perfect father. That it, There's no better role that we could play than that.
0: Amen. Thanks, Rick.